Bears win. Good morning to you. It's Bruce. It's Judy. It's Cheese. Let me just say I like, predicted the win. Okay. Uh, very good. A lot of people. Bears were favored. And I got to tell you, it was looking pretty darn good. I got to go to the game. Nice. Uh, I'll point out the Bears were up 20 to 3 with like three minutes left in the game. And then Cincinnati scored two touchdowns in about 30 seconds. Yeah, that was a little scary. And yeah. I was like, whoa, 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 hey, <laughs> let's pump the brakes here. Good night. I mean, it was in control the whole game. Seriously, the Bears were, were, were the better team. Cincinnati had absolutely no offense whatsoever. Yeah. Every time Cincinnati's quarterback uh, attempted to throw the ball, there was a bear on the other end. of. I think he completed more passes to bears than he did uh, <laughs> well, to actual Bengals. Well, our defense looked fantastic. And the, ba- the defense really did you know, use the term bail them out. The defense mm-hmm. won that game because uh, very early in the game, uh, Andy Dalton, our starting quarterback, uh, who suddenly decided, I need to run more. Uh, <laughs> on He's not a runner. Uh, you could tell when he's running, like, you don't run very often, do you? He's like one of those guys, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's not a style. That's not a running style by any stretch. Uh, so he's running for his life. And uh, he t- tweaked his knee. Uh, he came back in the game just for a couple of plays, and then he was out. Well, uh, coaches don't like their quarterbacks to run, right? They don't like them to get hit when they're running. Right. That's the issue. Well, yeah. okay. Uh, just so he in your little pocket was, there so nothing happened. Right. This was non-contact. He didn't get hit. He just he like pulled up lane, you know, as he he's ran running out about. Like he probably he shouldn't have run. done. He's not a runner. Yeah. Um, Justin and, Fields, on the other hand, is a runner. And so Fields comes in, and as opposed to, we'd heard before the game that Justin Fields was going to be a, um, they were going to put him in. We call him gadget plays. Or he was going to be in a change of pace every once in a while, you know, just to throw off the other team. Oh, no. Now you're in-in. Now you're a quarterback-quarterback. Now you are running the whole show. And he looked like a rookie. I mean, there's just no two ways around it. Uh, He he didn't look horrible. Don't get me wrong. But he looked like a rookie. Which is why everyone's been talking about, you know, the last month. Put him in. He should be starting. And and then you have the other side. The minority saying, He's, There's he's a something rookie. to be said for learning. Yes. And, and, you know, the, re- the Thank reality... goodness we still won, but it was proven. The reality is that in the NFL, um, the minute he went in the game, Cincinnati started changing its defense around to confuse a rookie. Now, they allegedly... I'm going to use... A, I'm not trying to be mean to Andy Dalton. Day. Hope your knee gets better, sir. Uh, or not. Andy Dalton would not be confused by that. Andy Dalton would see through it. He's got, you know, a dozen years in the NFL. Mm, come on. And so, like, the defense knows, like, we're not going to, you know, he's going to know that guy's not really blitzing or he's going to know where this is going. Justin Fields threw some pretty bad passes. There's no two, I mean, he threw some pretty bad passes mm-hmm. where you have to assume, you know, going back at it, like, oh, I see what they were doing now. Sadly, it was only after they threw a pass. And I'm, I'm not trashing him, but he looked like a rookie quarterback. Rookie quarterbacks get better. You know, he's got every opportunity uh, to get like better. He looks like a rookie because he is. Yeah, so we, we'll, we'll watch him evolve. It's unclear how serious the injury 
to Andy Dalton's knee is, um, you know, MRIs today and all that stuff. Apparently, they're going to wait for the hospital to open. Can't, couldn't get an appointment, <laughs> you know, yeah. Sunday afternoon. But I can't get an appointment. We're going to show up he at went 9 back in, right, for a little bit. And then Just for a couple out. plays. Yeah. And then no. he, he, was, he went in the, the tunnel, went in the locker room, and that, that was it for him. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, listen, a win is a win. You don't argue. Uh, what is it? What do they say? Ugly wins are better than pretty losses. Yeah. Okay, so we'll we'll take the win moving forward. The Bears are one and one, and in this division, they are right smack dab in the middle of it. Uh, and we shall see moving forward how Justin Fields develops as a quarterback, whether he's starting. Uh, this coming week, or whether he's back at a number two role, uh, I think even the most objective and enthusiastic Bears fan could say he's going to need a little time. He's going to a little time to get up to the speed of the game, the uh, the way the defenses look, the tempo, the pace, if you will. You know, one thing I've always heard, and I, I have a, a friend that played in the NFL a little bit, and he said, you know, the thing that no one can teach you going from college to the NFL is speed that there are no slow guys on the yeah. field but that in college there was like ah you know what my guy's got to step on him he's open in the NFL careful though they can close that gap really really quick and that's kind of what it looked like a lot where Justin Fields put balls up and the guy was open when he let the ball go uh, he went open by the time the ball got there. Yeah, you, you know what I'm saying. Like yeah. there's a there's a bit of a difference in there. I was on a uh, a sports weekend, so Thursday I went to the Sox game. But they got crushed. Just absolutely crushed. Yeah, like, it was like eight nothing in the third, and I was like, wow. Well, glad I showed up for this. Yeah, if you showed up late, you were like, I'm sorry. <laughs> how the hell did how the team get a touchdown already and a Just two point conversion? Grab a beer and go home. Right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, if only I drank. It would have been a good game to start drinking. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Friday night, I, I went. I saw the U of I. I went down to uh, uh, Champagne Urbana. I watched yeah. uh, you, and that was a heartbreaker against Maryland. Illinois takes the lead. Yes, clock is ticking down. We got him, and Maryland just marches down oh. the field at the very end. Boom, wins the game. Come on, man! Yeah. Illinois played so well up until then, and then just kind of, you know, it's one of those oh, you got to play, you got to play through to the very end. And then I, I do bears on, on Sunday. Good night. Wow, man. Yeah. I believe I have, uh, and I don't know what the number is, but I have exceeded the Surgeon General's recommendation for hot dogs in a lifetime. And I did it in just one weekend. I'm pretty sure you're not supposed to eat that much. I can't imagine all the chemicals flowing through. Should have, you know, flipped it up a bit and had a beef. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, Especially at, it. uh, Socks Park. Yeah, but you know, more and more of these, and, and I heard about it originally with the Cubs, but we're now we're talking Sox, Bears, Hawks, Bulls. Is sports betting uh, basically a, a, a sports book, a way to gamble at the stadium? We're getting closer and closer to that in Illinois, and a pretty famous name, Daly, is behind it. Yeah, uh, John Daly. He's the son of Cook County Commissioner John Daly, a nephew of former Mayor Daly. I really just say Daly. Just Daly. So, yeah. It's a Daly. He's working it. as a lobbyist for the White Sox um, and also acting in concert with the Cubs, Bears, Blackhawks, Bulls, yeah. pushing the city council to let all of, all of them. I mean, it's not just a matter of the, uh, you know, Illinois gaming. Oh, sure. I can't state. imagine how Obviously, many hoops. the city has to be in on it as well. But yeah, 
Um, they want sports wagering facilities. You know, which I don't know. Describe was that just a room where you go in and you and you can bet on sports, yeah. or yeah. is it a big building? Is it, it seemed like the Cubs were well, talking about a kind of a bigger footprint? Well, I mean, it depends on what you want to do. I suppose you know, you go to Vegas. There's some really big sports books. There's yeah. some small ones. You know, I mean, you can really go and but you uh, just go up to the. Cashier yeah, but a lot of places bet, got a ton right? of TVs. I got all oh. the games on. You, my experience. understanding is you would not just be able, like, if it was at White Sox, if it was at Comiskey, I refuse to call it whatever the hell it's called. So if it's at Comiskey, you would be able to bet on other sports other than just the White Sox game that's, that it was going to happen or is going mm. on, that it would be a sports book for all sports betting, if you will. And I just, like, I think, haven't we crossed that bridge? Aren't we at the point now, whether it's all the online, you know, the DraftKings and and things like that, like, sports betting just is. And it strikes me that, at least for the state of Illinois, and the city of Chicago should take a look at it, the people who are going to bet on sports are already doing it. You're just not getting your cut. <laughs> you know, the reality is open up the sports book and you'll get your cut of it at those games. But the idea that, that I've always heard the argument, you know, the, the vice and, you know, right. that it what's leads the downside? To, you know, well, people become compulsive. Get, they already are. <laughs> they already are. It's so easy to they can do it from Isn't their phone. Is there something to do with the games themselves, though? Is there something about betting on the socks if you're at the park? But, okay, so what would be the difference? Okay, so play that out. That was, you know, the Black Sox, you know, type of scandal. So you could sit in the park. You're there in Section two 213, right? You got your phone out. You can bet online for the action you're watching. How is it any different that you walk into a room, a sports book, Right. Attached to the stadium. How is that fundamentally different? My argument is it's not. Like, again, we've already gotten there. Do you yeah. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We're already at the point. Why not sharing the profits? Yeah. yeah. Uh, you, basically, you're just letting everyone else benefit in some way, shape, or form. Um, I mean, the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, they all have, like, official betting partners. Uh, yeah. You know, they're, we, we're past the idea that, well, betting on sports, what if something goes wrong? No! They all see it as money. And just how lucrative would it be? You would have to pay the state $10 million for your license, mm-hmm. and then you would have a $5 million annual renewal fee. Oh. <laughs> it's just crazy. Oh. But that's what how much money we're talking here. Wow. Deep in the heart of Texas. There you go. Love that. Don't think I don't know that song. Come on. I'm half Texan, for goodness sakes. It's Bruce, Judy, and Cheese. Uh, That's not a joke, by the way. I Well, it is, but I didn't know it. When I was a little kid, elementary school, and I can't remember what grade, we had a uh, a homework assignment on, like, your ancestry. This is well before 23andMe, okay? This is before DNA. So you were supposed to ask your parents what your ancestry was was and so i asked my dad and that was mistake number one but i asked my dad and he said oh that's easy uh you're half german on your mother's side your whole mother's family's all german german as far as they go okay half german and he goes and you're half texan on my side okay half texan texan (laughs) and german and so i stood up in front of the class when the teacher asked and said i'm half german half texan and she laughed at my face. Aww. And I did not understand why that was. A, I was like, I, I don't understand. She goes, Texan's not a, not, it's not a, 
nationality. Yeah, and I said, well, I, mean, I go, know. well, my, my dad thinks it is. <laughs> I get it. Oh, my dad. I go, he's Definitely willing to debate it. Definitely a culture, it. Yeah. but, I, yeah. But along the, the Texas border, specifically, the, it, there's a couple different border crossings. And, and again, I've grown up in the Southwest. I've been along the border. I've illegally crossed into Mexico by accident and illegally crossed back in the United States also by accident, I would tell you. <laughs> I committed two, two, two felonies in one day in two different countries. Um, <laughs> that the border is a complex issue. There's just no two ways around it. It is not. However simple you think the solution is, I'm going to tell you it's not. Um, Del Rio is one of the large uh, crossing points, legal crossing points, I should say. And, you know, there's a lot of trade that goes on with Mexico. And we have uh, these huge crossings, semi-trucks and people driving across. A lot of workers, right? Workers, they come in they, and go back. They've got the, the uh, um, worker visas. They come into the United States. Maybe they work in uh, agriculture or whatever. They come in, work, go home, cross the border. I mean... Uh, uh, a lot of these border towns are dependent on one another, for lack of better terms, for for one reason or the other. There's people going both ways, like on a regular basis. But what's happening in Del Rio, Texas, is it, it's like all these things were, well, okay, so why the hell is it full of Haitians? Yes, Haitians have filled up, the, not Mexicans. Not El Salvador. Like, it seems like every six months, there's another nationality massing on our southern border. This time, Haitians. Right. Haitians uh, seeking to enter, seeking asylum. Um, they've made it all the way to that port. And the problem is... It's a hell it's, of a journey. Yeah. Right. But, you know, of course, their country's been devastated by severe weather lately. Right. Was already devastated to begin with. So let's, let's start be honest. There. Yeah. yeah, regular Haiti wasn't but, exactly a paradise yeah, yeah. to begin with. They've set up like a tent city and um, right at the border there. Mm-hmm. So the U.S. is they. I think they flew a couple thousand, three thousand. I want to say back to Haiti already. That's what they're doing. They're boarding them onto planes, these cargo planes, and they're flying them back. Right. And I mean, it's saying, like Afghanistan in reverse. Wow. Yeah. And basically saying to the world, our borders are not open. People stop coming here. This is what's going to be happening. But the problem is, I just mentioned those workers, the green card workers who are coming in and out. Or, um, maybe that's not called the green card, but I think it is. They are now they're closing. They, they've closed the port of entry there and they can't even get back home. Right. Because it's so All chaotic. Weekend, it's so chaotic. They can't. So that's it's just causing a huge crisis there. You know, Texas is, of course, the National Guards they're helping. You've got the feds. You've got all these people they're trying to assist. But, yeah, it's mostly Haitians. And I guess that river is... that's really, Rio Grande. Is it low everywhere? Because it's just, like, knee-high. I mean... Uh, it, it ebbs and flows, if you will. So, and uh, it, it it is deeper and stronger running at other areas than it is at some. By the way, that also plays into this, that uh, people tend to cross... <laughs> you can understand at places where the river's easier to get across, right, which is but, right there. But that's also where the border patrol shows up more and knows that's where they're going to cross, so that people go to areas where it's harder to cross, hoping that's not that we'll be looking for them. That's how people drown. That's how people, you know, mm-hmm. rescuing, etc. It is so. It is such an issue, and it is it is a real issue. I'm not here to tell you that it's not. And I don't know how you fix this part. If you were to talk to the Haitians, the people on our southern border, did you know that the United States is not going to let you in? Uh, uh, yeah. 
Did you know it was going to be really hard? Oh, yeah. Do you know that you might not even have a a real claim of asylum? Oh, sure, I know that. Why'd you come? Oh, I'm coming anyway. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I'm coming just for the chance. Like, there's a certain measure of we, the United States, have done a great job. Seriously, anybody who's traveled around the world knows this. We are, we have an image around the world. And we have an image of a place, a, a bit of a melting pot. It's got a, a variety of different people. We are eclectic in that sense. We are, for the most part, welcoming uh, a nation of immigrants, etc. Statue of Liberty. Well, you we know. were built on immigration. Right. So we, we have, built on that. We have this image around the world. So you can't be overly shocked when people are like, "Yeah, a what they." Yeah, that's can, what you guys told us. If I'm going to make it were. anywhere, it's going to be in America. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Not so much anymore, though. That's the problem. And you've well, got ten thousand well, Haitians to be a limit, now though. at the. Uh, there has to be some sort of a limit. While I am for, I I'm for more immigrants. I'm for for legal immigration. I'm for people from all over the world being. Look, God, we desperately need workers. Anybody? Right, no anybody out there still mm-hmm. trying to hire? How would you like to have you know people that want to come here and work? Want to work? Looking to work builds our country better. I'm 100% in favor of it. Um, it cannot be based on just whatever crisis at any given point. But you whether can, you it's can gangs underst- in El Salvador or a hurricane in Haiti. Yeah, but on the other hand, you can uh, you can understand why they come because it sometimes takes years, decades oh, no, the, for the, legal immigration. The, the legal way is and they feel almost like, impossible right, and it's expensive. If they get here... And they're already here. Got a they chance. might, yeah, they got a chance. Yeah. Exactly, they might well, get to stay. And, and you know, it's interesting because I, I, um, I actually at one point I talked to a mother of, oh, I want to say two or three, and I apologize, of little bitty kids. Now this was she had come from Central America. She'd come from Guatemala, and I got a chance to interview her with an interpreter. I apologize, I did not speak fluent enough to have that conversation about why she came and the journey. You know, I mean, just. She didn't have a car. They walked yeah. and jumped on trains to get to the United States from Guatemala. They had to go all the way through Mexico. I mm-hmm. want to. It's a hell of a trip, right? Did you think you'd get in the United States? Maybe, maybe not. You know, <laughs> you know. Did you think if you got got in the United States, you get kicked out? Yeah, maybe, maybe not. You, you, she was not being lied to. Then why did you do it? Oh, the smallest chance is still better than what I had. Wow. The smallest chance. Risk my life, risk my child's life, do anything to come here. Because the smallest chance to get into the United States and live in the United States is better than remaining in, in Guatemala. Which I was like, okay, a bit of an eye-opening, you know. I mean, wow. I, I don't think Americans, we don't think like that. We don't have to, thankfully, right? Yeah. But that's kind of the desperation almost you can get from uh what you're getting from some of those people. Hey, I've got time for our criminal today, though. Concern yourselves not, all right? I'm going to give a special shout-out to uh, Isaiah J. Hampton of Arnold, Pennsylvania, who just wanted a diaper genie <laughs> and was prepared to, prepared to kill for it, apparently. <clears throat> Allegedly, Hampton and his prego girlfriend were attending her baby shower at the Kinlock Fire Hall Saturday night. A disagreement over gifts resulted in Hampton being slapped by a woman who he then shoved. As more people joined the slap fest shoving match, Isaiah pulled out a gun and began firing at the baby shower attendees, striking three people, none life-threatening, thankfully. 
Mr. Hampton was charged with two counts of aggregate assault, one count of recklessly endangering another person, and may miss the birth of his child. Or was that the plan all along? <laughs> so for creating the world's first baby shower shooting range, you, Isaiah Hampton, are the Bruce St. James Show criminal of the day. All suspects described above should be considered innocent until found guilty in a court of law, no matter how crazy they are. We're taking a look at the big stories that people are talking about. Jeez, why don't you start us off? The Emmys were last night. Oh, they were. Yeah, no, I didn't watch either. I, I don't know if you did. No, I didn't. But I did hear Bruce's favorite show, Ted Lasso, <sighs> swept the Emmys. Jason yes. Sudeikis taking Best Actor in a Comedy Series. Brilliant show. Yeah, Judy? I believe my favorite, The Crown, won more Emmys, but whatever. Uh, the tra- Arm wrestle. <laughs> the tragic turn in the Gabby Petito case. Human remains found in the search for the missing New York woman, her fiance is now missing lots of unanswered questions in this case bruce bears win the bears beat the uh cincinnati Bengals 20 to 17 although it was a blowout until the last three minutes when the uh <laughs> Bengals scored two touchdowns on about two different plays about drove me nuts anyway uh justin fields got in the game quarterback andy dalton got hurt early on fields played most of the game he looked like a rookie quarterback. <laughs> Just him. He will get better from there. Hopefully. How's that? He will get better from there. So we talked a lot about old normal. Let's get back to the way things used to be. Screw the masks and all this and the other. But, I mean, for all the wishing and wanting of it, it appears maybe that isn't in the cards. Are we going to have to get used to a new, new, new normal? I, I've mentioned before that I, I wonder if... It's going to require a bit of a mind, mind shift, mindset shift. One of those, yeah. some combination of there those words together, which means you have to think differently. Yeah. Okay. So whichever words that is, you guys just play. In, put, will you edit that in when we play this back for real? Yeah. Okay. That's not. That's we'll not edit it. That doesn't go over the radio. Yeah, no. Um, that maybe the idea that COVID disappears and goes away like smallpox is too much to expect is not realistic just it's not in the car and maybe it needs to be how do we live with it as opposed to fingers crossed it, it disappears okay the reason i say that is think of the shortages right now i'm starting to notice and it's because i'd heard it you go into any store i was in the the target there's a lot of empty slots on the shelves. If they do have something, you know, sometimes there's like, there's eight of them in a row. You know, no, there's one. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. there mm-hmm. isn't a lot. Selection is down. And it's weird things. It's It tends to only be whatever the hell it is you're looking for on any <laughs> given day. Right. Granted, Always. is what you notice they don't have it. What do you mean we're out of cashews? How can you <laughs> run out of cashews? Where is the cashew crisis, you know? Um, but will shortages... And this kind of, at any given moment, you won't be able to find blank. Is that going to be part of the new normal? It is already my new normal anyway. I, I have been encountering shortages for months now. And I think it's a combination. It's definitely shortages. It's those ships sitting out in the bays yep, all over the place that can't move. It's also people, though, and I think that's the bigger story. What do you mean, people? A lack of people. They Humans. might have your cashews in the back room, right. but there's no one to bring them out. I'll go get my own cashews. Yeah, oh, believe right. me. Point me in a direction. Yeah. 
Let's, for example, take Amazon, which already owns the world. That's what I said to Amazon when I couldn't get an item for months. I said, which warehouse is it at? Because I'll go there and get it. I don't think they let you do that. They did not. I take it from your tone, you didn't get the electric scooter still? Not yet. I had to reorder. (laughs) They, but it was most of them, and I think Amazon must have this, take this tact of, we can never admit we don't have it. If we advertise it on our site, we have it. But it really, they never had it. They just mm. led me on, led me on three months. Ooh. Finally, I and of course, when you reorder, it's always more expensive. Yeah. The item's never the item you ordered the first time. So, I mean, it's just been this nightmare that I, in all my years, have never encountered with Amazon. Now, I'm much more, agree- you know, not agreeable, but I'll be more accepting at a restaurant, at the grocery, because I see they have no Amazon. <laughs> Has a gazillion dollars, okay? And they don't have, they shouldn't, if you don't have it, just say you don't have it. Don't keep advertising everything like it because there are shortages. Um, part of it also, people are stockpiling things that they, that they are afraid won't be there. I've, I've heard again, there might be a run on toilet paper. Ha! Yeah. I'm so over it. Okay. I'm more (laughs) concerned about the fake, the artificial, uh, Christmas trees that are apparently not going to be around. Mm. Yeah, no, we're, we're having whatever factory makes artificial Christmas trees. By the way, I just would be fascinated to see how they make that. Right. Part. So whatever factory is making those. They, maybe they have a chip. Maybe they don't have oh! a chip. <laughs> well, I've got the ones with the built-in lights. Does that oh, mean? There you go. Does that, that could, have a chip knows? in it somewhere? Why would you buy an artificial tree anymore without those lights? Because I would never even consider yeah. it. Yeah. I, it just, I just have to click four things together. I'm like, boom, Christmas tree. Now what? Yeah, but then they go out and you can never find the one that's burned out and so you throw the whole thing out now there that's true <laughs> you could put another string of lights on it but i guess nick grows his own tree so and cuts it down yeah. Yeah. and brings it in the yeah. house i will tell you that i did never i never grew up with the artificial christmas yeah who did I, well, it wasn't a thing no plus it would have ruined our new year's tradition so my dad used to hold a new year's eve party every year at the house and <laughs> Why are you laughing already? Because I can already see where, you know where we're going. going. And we I lived, feel like it involves fire. We yeah. lived on a, on a golf course. Uh, we were on the third hole at Rolling Hills Country Club. It sounds much nicer than it is. I'm sure your winter rules don't affect year round. Uh, Rolling Hills Country Club in Tucson, Arizona. And there was a sand trap right out behind. Why are you laughing already? I haven't even gotten to this part yet. And so part of the tradition was around 1130, drag the Christmas tree out. All it's, I mean, come on, we're two weeks after, a week after Christmas. It's been up since December. It was a fire trap just waiting to happen. Stick it in the damn sand trap and at midnight light it on fire. Nice. Oh, that was our, our tradition. Oh, man. Yeah. Every year Your I watched our Christmas man. tree go up as a man. Ah. It's a Texan. Yeah. I watched our Christmas oh. tree go. And boy, those things go poof. I mean, when they're dry oh. like that, oh, yeah. you know. My dad like, yeah, I quit watering that thing three weeks ago. Make sure it's good and dry. <laughs> Want that thing to go. Gosh, I go, you know, it was in the living room, Dad. I, I yeah. need to point out. Probably that- had no needles on it. It's no. just the branches. Unbelievable. That's so here's, the, so there's this boom and bust, though. Think about this. It was just a couple, maybe a month ago. Like, everybody was trying to give away hand sanitizer. Remember that? Like, yeah, you'd walk in the Home Depot, like, you no. want hand sanitizer? No, I'm good. No, literally, do you want the bottle? Just please take it. We've got it sitting everywhere. Nobody wants the damn hand sanitizer anymore. Why? Because you couldn't find it. So then everybody ramped up production. Mm-hmm. By the time it got to the market, people were like, yeah, we're kind of over hand sanitizer. And by the way, if you do know, uh, it's not a surface-borne disease. You don't need to be wiping everything down and within your hands, whatever. So guess what now the latest boom and bust is? How many of you remember 
and hear about the lumber shortage. We heard how much mm-hmm. it was more oh, yeah. it was going to cost to build a house. You couldn't find two by fours. You go into the Home Depot lumber section. It was I just saw a ton empty. of homes just like in the middle of being built. Well, they couldn't Months. get they couldn't yeah. get the lumber. They couldn't get right? the lumber, right? Guess what? There's too much of now. Mm. There's too much wood, oh. and the price of lumber has now cratered it's gone the other direction and all these people that like oh my god we gotta crank it up certain come on let's start making some plywood and two by fours let's start cranking them out of here they cranked it all out they got it out there and now people like yeah we don't really need that anymore So I wonder they're still a little high. Right, but they're coming down. Don't you dare worry. You wait another week, they'll come right back down. We haven't even talked about prices. Everything is so much more expensive. Well that's inflation in general though. Yeah. But I mean so we've got shortages. We've got higher prices. We have bad service. This is our new norm. (laughs) Doesn't sound very exciting. (laughs) No, I No. (laughs) It doesn't sound good. It's amazing how resigned I am to it already. I was so angry and I'm like, Yeah, it's just what it is. Well, you can get angry. It's not going to change it. No, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. it's, you know, those those ships uh, in the Pacific sitting off of Long Beach uh, aren't, yeah. aren't going to unload themselves at any I time. I just do too. a lot of eye rolling these days. A lot of eye rolling. And, and, and sighing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can tell you right now, if you're up at 623 on a Monday morning, you might have already reached adult status. <laughs> you You've leveled up, if you will. But when did... When did you first begin to feel like an adult? Was there an event? Was there something that happened where you said, okay, things have changed? Like a, like a date, an, an event in your life. Can you think of one? I mean, when I think I have, by the way, full disclosure. I don't think I've reached it yet. <laughs> so the point being is, like, I think about, like, the birth of a child or getting married. For maybe people. my first two house. things I have not experienced. Buying my first house. Buying your first house. You felt or, you like an what? adult. Maybe even before signing then, that paper going, what actually, am I on the hook for? I feel like my buying my first car, which car. I think cost maybe five hundred dollars. Okay. Remember it was like a a Datsun. And maybe part of the like floor maybe part of the floor okay, okay. was See, open a, a little B- bit. B- no, it was a real It had rusted through the floor. Yeah, it had rusted through, but my dad okay. still thought it was a good buy for me, apparently, because he went with me and I bought bucks. it. And that I think that I felt like was the first time I was like, Wow, I paid for this. I'm a, maybe I'm the an first adult. thing I paid for. Okay. When yeah. you start paying for things on your own. Right. I went through all that. You know, birth of a child, house, and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But I still buy shoes in the kids' department, so I still don't feel like an adult. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. They have such a better still selection, though. I envy and they're cheaper. You. He's still yeah. at the baby gap, yeah. looking for shirts. Like I think it's a fit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a good look for me. <laughs> I but just, you haven't done any of that. No, besides so I, the house, I I did buy a house. Yeah, yeah you know, I don't ever want to own. <laughs> And I just think it's just a miserable experience. Hey, Rob, in Evergreen Park. Rob, when did you know you were an adult? I, I think it hit me somewhere um, in college where I actually, like, left a party or did, left something fun to go get sleep for the next day. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I didn't have anything to do the next day. Yeah, so you like, just I wanted to go to sleep. Yeah. I just wanted to go to sleep. Like, I need sleep. But I'm like, I don't. But I can relate. Now, if that's the if that's the definition of adulting, Rob, I'm right there with you. Because there's plenty of times I go, why are you going to bed right now? Because I want to. Yeah, I'm tired. I, well, but we're still, I don't care what you're doing. Yeah. I want to go to bed. 
You start thinking about sleep. I think that's kind of where Rob was going with that. You start thinking about, mm-hmm. oh, what time do you think I can go to bed? Yeah. You think I can sleep in tomorrow? <gasps> you start, is that adulting? Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. And when you have kids, you think about how much can I get? How much sleep do I need to take care of those damn kids the next day? I think of like some of these these other things. And there was a whole list they they. they from the people that do studies, they looked at some 2,000 people about kind of when you reach adulting. I thought some of them were, were interesting, again, because I haven't hit any of these milestones. When you buy life insurance. Okay, I know nothing about yeah, life yeah. insurance. What I don't know about life insurance would fill very large rooms. I have no concept of it. As far as I know, I don't have any. And if I do have any, I don't remember signing up for it. How's that? I have no idea. No. I don't think I have that. Well, you have no children, right? So right. there's really no need for it. What would be the purpose? Yeah, yeah. So the unless you want to leave it to one of your nephews or nieces or you. Hello, <laughs> Bruce St. James missing. <laughs> <laughs> Not a day goes by, right? His coworker <laughs> expected to get all the yeah. money. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You would only have that for someone you're you're living. How about with this? Relatives. When you do your own taxes, I think that is for a lot of folks. That's got to be like a real eye opener. Like you're an adult. What? Okay, hold on. Who the hell's FICA? And why are they yeah. taking so much <laughs> and money? That's what that's it is. Money. Look at all this money the government takes. That's, you know what I'm saying? Like I opener. think that is an adulting moment. Infant producer Miranda, have you done your own taxes yet? No. Yeah. No. Yeah, that's good. You're but not an adult. Don't try not but, to. What? I've been to the doctors by myself. You've been to the doctor oh. by yourself. That was an adult <laughs> moment for yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. My mom made me go, but. Right, you know. still mom made you go. Yeah. But what, she sit in the car outside? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, but like, it's scary going to the doctor. Okay, you know what? I'm I 21. thought about that. <laughs> you're 21 years old. It's scary going to the doctor. It but is. you're right. I, I'm trying to think if my kids have gone to the doctor without me. Because they, they won't go. Have, yeah. yeah. Except for Common, who went to the hospital because he was having an issue, but... I think, yeah, they, they need their mommies to take them. So good job, Amanda. Um, All right. Thank so you. So that could be one Thank of the you. adulting levels, yeah. if you will. <laughs> so my mom did my taxes until last year. That was the first year. What? Really? Well, she was a CPA oh, and all okay. that. She knows how to do all that stuff. Uh, yeah. But now she's gotten to the point where uh, we can't trust her to Have them do it one more time and see how that works out. Yeah. <laughs> Bruce, gonna, you owe the government $18 million. Right. Mom, I think I'm you like, did them wrong. Mom moved some zeros around or whatever. She was, you know, if she does it after five o'clock, that means she's already had some wine. Yep. So goodness knows. See, my my tax returns are going to go back with red stains on them. Is that Cabernet Sauvignon on your tax returns? Yeah. I just, my tax preparer likes to drink. I just don't know what to tell you. Um, but yeah, you know, I think... I'm trying to, you know, I think there's a lot of different milestones that people come to of when things start becoming an adult. But I, I love the idea that you start thinking about when you can go to sleep as opposed to thinking about how late you can stay up. Yeah. Like that is a huge, yeah. like that's a huge, you used to be, a, but you can sip to two. I'll sip to two thirty. Dude, I'm staying up all night. Now, when people say I'm staying up all night, why? Yeah. The hell's wrong with you? Have fun with that. What's wrong? You should be going to sleep for God's sakes. Remember this? We're going out. We're going out. What time I meet? Meet you at eleven o'clock outside the club. Remember at the club? I meet you at eleven. Now it's eight o'clock. What are you going to say? Now now somebody says we're going to have dinner at seven. Seven at night? (laughs) Having dinner? 
For God's sakes, what are we staying up now? I have definitely for dinner at seven. I, I should just move to Florida people? for the um, you know, early, early bird, bird special. Uh, I literally Let's go to dinner at four thirty. Four o'clock. Let's now. go to four thirty. We'll get the early bird special down mm-hmm. to Luby's. And we're in. And we can be done and finished. Yeah. (laughs) God, we're old these days. Uh. I can't believe it. It's unreal. The latest, I want to say it's a debate. We were, it was only a couple weeks ago. Things change. I will acknowledge that. A couple of weeks ago, where we were all like, you know, I say all, many of us were looking going, oh, well, I'm going to have to get a booster uh, shot. I'm going to have to get a third uh, vaccine. And they were saying, well, roughly about nine months after your initial uh, vaccination. So I'm like, oh, well, I might need one around December, January. It'd be nine months for me, somewhere yeah. in that range, right? Uh, be taking a look at that. And then, not so fast. Maybe we, you shouldn't be getting boosters. Haven't some people already started getting them? What is the skinny on it? Joining us right now, Dr. Jason West with Integrative uh, Integrative Medicine Physician. He's the owner of the West Clinic, uh, westclinic.com. Good morning, Dr. West. How are you? Good morning, and thanks for having me. Excellent to have you on. Dr. West, can you help us understand the booster flip-flop, the, uh, the unclear directives we're getting I'm confused. Well, welcome to the club, and I'm in healthcare, and I'm confused. Okay. And, <laughs> and so I, I, I know that's not why you want to have someone on that says I'm confused, but, but part of this whole thing with the pandemic from the beginning is just the overwhelming amount of misinformation that everybody's getting. So, you know, I have patients come into the office every day, and I'm, I'm on a clinician. I'm in the trenches. I see people that come in and, and the myriad of questions that they have is some people will come in and be like, look, I just, it's hard for me not to think that this is just some really crazy conspiracy there. And they'll tell you, I, 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 I don't want to be like thinking that you, I've lost my marbles, but it's so weird to me. And then you have other people that read every single bit of data and they say, um, look, I'm totally up on everything. And then you have the massive part in the middle that are like, just tell us what to do. And this is the question I know I'm going to get asked today. I haven't even started work yet. And I'm <laughs> going to go into the office. Okay. And the, and the 40 people that I'm going to see today are going to be like, hey, Dr. J, did you read about the, <laughs> the information? I'm, I'm going to say, yes, I read every morning, just like everybody else. Sure. And, and talk about confusion. And, and the one takeaway that I would really hope everybody listens to, we're not giving enough information on therapeutics. And, and what I mean by that mm. is we have, we have confusion about the mandate where there's, when I say mandate, that's not right. The boosters, mm-hmm. there's confusion about the boosters of saying, well, I thought everybody was supposed to get them. And now they're like, well, wait a minute. Maybe we should let this play out a little bit. But one of the things that I wanted to tell with all the statistics that are coming out there, you know that there's millions of people that have been exposed. There's millions of people that are getting better. Unfortunately, there's people that are sick and dying. Like, I, I, I don't want to minimize that. But what's the difference is people are, are, that are, are beating it have immune systems that are beating the virus. Like, we should be telling everybody the same thing we were telling you two and five and ten years ago, which is eat healthy food, go to bed on time, get enough water, get vitamin A, get vitamin C, get vitamin or zinc. You could do all these things to regulate your system because whether you've had the vaccine or not, this is what the studies are telling us, is you still got to be as healthy as possible. 
Well, you're kind of getting into Dr. West. You're getting into that whole comorbidities and and and, and people who maybe already have some health challenges have difficulty fighting COVID off. And I would agree with you in that sense. We have not been talking about obesity and and talking about uh, uh, healthier lifestyles. Not that it would guarantee you could survive or not require hospitalization. It just gives you your body a better fighting chance. Well, well, absolutely. And you look at, and, and this is the dialogue that's so fascinating to me when, when we have an, an, this medical procedure that's come out that we thought was going to uh, really make a, a different impact. I mean, I think everybody can agree that the vaccine rollout, it's not going as well or as anticipated or desired. And then what happened is they said, well, we vaccinated against COVID-19. Now we're going to have, we have this new mutation. And, and it was fascinating because they said the mutation is it almost made it feel like that this is unique to just coronavirus and all viruses mutate so like that we, no one should be like surprised that it mutated because that's what viruses do but then we have the delta variant and then the statistics are saying well look we maybe it's not working as anticipated and we get the booster then the then the executive branch says you need to get the booster and the cdc is like well wait a minute cool your jets like mm. so let's just just kind of I don't know if they said, let's think about it, but that's kind of what they feels like they said is we should, we need some more data on this. And again, it jumps it all back on the consumer saying more misinformation. Like, who do you believe? Where are you going? And that's the most frustrating part for me as a healthcare provider. And, and as the patients that I'm going to see today, like I guarantee everybody's going to ask about this. Today. Yeah. We are talking to Dr. Jason West, uh, integrative medicine physician. So have you given out the booster, a booster shot to any of your patients? Well, I, I haven't. And part of it is, like for me, I just want to see a little bit more information on what's the, what's the proposal, how did they come up with the booster, what's, you know, the data, what's in the booster. Like I just want to get some more information that I feel that is not ready yet. And that's what, just like everybody else, I just want more information and I want it minus any political slant or agenda or anything, can I just get some good scientific data so that I can live my sole purpose, which is to help people. And just going back to something else you said earlier about people who have had COVID, survived, or doing well, and you talked about that natural immunity, but as a doctor, should they still get vaccinated? Well, and the answer to that is such a, uh, an individual choice. And, and what I mean by that is, I just want people to be able to make a decision with facts that 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 aren't slanted one way or other because this has turned into such a thing of the government is telling me that I'm going to do this or I really feel like I, I mean I've had patients that come in that literally have lost relationships are and are at significant odds with their close family unit their their family members over this I mean yeah. I had a lady that said I tried to organize a family union. And she said, I, I, for the family, I want everybody vaccinated. And half of her family, like, why well, not coming then? Like, <laughs> and it's just more examples of this politicized thing. And, and at the end of the day, when you look at natural immunity, the studies, at least for me, that, I'm re- that I've read and that I've been on, it's so much more significant and so much more long-lasting than vaccine-induced immunity.
Hmm. Well, I mean, and and I just to come back around, Doctor West. Uh, you know, I, I've never been to a doctor before and had like a checkup where he said, you know what? You need to start eating more crap and put some weight on. But like, you know, it's just, <laughs> I've never had that happen. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, healthy living in some way, shape, or form doesn't, it doesn't just help you against COVID. It helps you against a variety of, of things. And we should all be thinking along those lines, not just now, but all the time. Well, it kind of reminds me of what happens when you go to your religious service on Sunday, right? It's kind of the basics of, hey, you need to believe in something. You should be a good person. If you've harmed other people, like try and make up for it. And everyone, you'll be like, hey, I, I want some new stuff. And, and your re- ecclesiastic leader's like, well, you haven't mastered the other stuff. <laughs> it's kind of like that when you go to the doctor, right? He's going to be like, hey, man, you need to eat better. You need to drink more water. Because these are the rules of health. And the one thing that I tell people when they ask me, I'm like, hey, this coronavirus, this pandemic is a big wake-up call that you need to be healthier. I need to be healthier. Communities need to be healthier. I mean, can you imagine if we started telling you know, people, look, you can't fly if your blood sugar is out of control. Nah. If, you're BMI, <laughs> if your body mass is over 30, high, yeah. yeah, you can't go. You can't mm. get on the, the – I mean, can you imagine mm. the backlash that we get? But – we look at obesity is killing seven, eight hundred, a million people, uh, eight hundred thousand people every year, and so we have this this thing that, and and some of it just doesn't make sense yeah. on it. And, and when we talk about mandates and everything like that, I, I what I one of the things that's coming out of this, I wish they would mandate, you know, medical freedom where you can med- providers can actually give their opinions without being worried about uh, uh, a censored. And if they're following those, the right guidelines, I mean, we have trade organizations that are saying, if you state anything that is not the mainstream narrative, we're going to take your license away. I mean, we shouldn't have, be having that in yeah. discussions with patients that are really, really sincere about saying, hey, I want to be healthy. What should I do? And when we have that discussion, we pull that back. I'm like, look, follow the rules of health. That's what you should do. Dr. West, thank you for your time this morning. We appreciate it. That's uh, Dr. Jason West, owner of the West Clinic, uh, westcliniconline.com. Nobody watches these award shows anymore. If anything, all you do is care who, who won. Yeah. Right? Who were the winners? I, and, you know, a lot of times... Well, and they still didn't have an audience, right? Oh, I don't know. Well, they did. It was all celebrities. The, there was no regular well, it, audience. It was all the nominees. It yeah. wasn't anyone else allowed yeah. in, so that's weird. Um. You know, if if nothing else, it's helped me in the past kind of double check. Did I miss any good shows? Am I missing something? Because I feel like a certain sense of responsibility to be up on pop culture and understand kind of what the big shows are. I feel pretty good about this list. Why? I think I've, I've watched all of them. Yeah. In the last year, um, starting with the the... The two big winners, and I was late to The Crown. I will acknowledge that. I started watching The Crown uh, on Netflix, and there was already like three seasons of it. So, like, I got to watch and watch uh, go through it. But last year's, uh, last season's version of The Crown, absolutely fantastic. One best drama, uh, a lot of individual awards in their acting awards. Uh, if you haven't watched The Crown, you don't even need to be a fan of the royal family. Just the. The machinations, and I realize it may not all be true. It's not a documentary, for yeah. God's sakes. But it's pretty close. It's, it's... based in uh, facts, yeah. I yeah. guess we could put out, right? 
loose, if nothing else. But the crown did really well. And on the comedy side, come on, I already got the t-shirt. Yeah. I'm a fan. I was a fan after the first episode of Ted Lasso uh, on Apple Plus. And uh, so I was drawn to it because I'm a fan of soccer to begin Mm -hmm. with. Yeah. Um, But that's not why it's good. And that's not why I stayed. You don't need to know anything about soccer. This show's not about soccer. It's, it has nothing to do with it. It is, uh, Ted Lasso is such a rich story around such unique, fun individual characters. And it just tells a great story. I'm sorry. Apple TV? Yeah. Don't have it. No. Do a lot of people not have Apple TV? Because I feel like Ted Lasso, it's interesting that it won so many awards because I don't think a lot of people have seen it. I think if you have an iPhone, they give you Apple TV for like three months free. And they added on, so I think a lot well, of Well, what are the votes based on? It's not you and me voting, right? Right. I mean, it's... Well, I don't know. It's, it's... But that's a race. Oh, Emmys. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Is it SAG-AFTRA? Uh, but that's, yeah, that's why we don't we don't vote for best restaurant, because McDonald's would win. So we don't <laughs> do that <either. laughs> Um, Jason Sudeikis won uh, as playing Ted Lasso. He won Best Actor, uh, a bunch of other ones in there. Another one that was really good, Best Actress in a Comedy. It's a show Cheese and I like, Hacks. Love that show. That's a good show. Yeah. That's funny. I watched the very beginning of the show. Jean Smart won Best Actress. Yeah. She's brilliant. Love that that show. I watched the very beginning of it because it was right before the football game. And the thing that really freaked me out was Seth Rogen. His outfit? No, just him. He's thin. His hair yeah. was all short. And he had like, a purple shirt him. on with an orange jacket. Yeah, I haven't it seen worked. him with uh, uh, short hair ever. I didn't. I'm like, who is that? He That's was Seth up. Rogen. He's yeah, that looks ru- that looks like roughly Seth Rogen. It's a it's a skinny, cleaned up version of Seth yeah, Rogen. Yeah, see, but now you know what's going to happen. He's not going to be funny anymore. Well, yeah, oh, you once see, they get happened, skinny, happened, not happened funny. Happened to Jonah. Yep, exactly. Just saying, just saying. He's still high, though. Don't worry. I don't want you to. <laughs> I didn't want you to think that he'd change too much. All right, we were out just there. talking about how you know important it is to be healthy. He's looking good. No, he looked good for him. He was just yeah. different. Yeah, and he was still funny. Something interesting <laughs> did come out. We talk about like the change in television, the change in viewing habits. This Emmy Award was the first time that the big awards all went to streaming services. First time ever that the ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox did not win one of the best uh, uh, drama, best comedy, actor, actress, etc. They all went to these different streaming services. And I think there's a, you know, early on in the world of even cable or streaming, you know, it, I, I, I make a joke. It was like all the Lifetime movies and stuff like yeah. these are not going to win awards. Let's be honest with one another. I feel like it's shifted. I feel like, you know, you look at some of these these shows, be they on Apple Plus, Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, whatever, they've got the major stars in them. They've got the the big directors. They obviously spend a ton of money on them. I mean, there's there's nothing cheap about them in any way, shape, or form. Um, and it seems like they've got more money than the the networks have, and they're spending it on these shows. Yeah. And these shows, I didn't are realize good. none of the networks won. No, wow. yeah, That's didn't win crazy. any of the awards, any of the big awards. Yeah, big ones, yeah, yeah, first time ever. But again, I pointed out, and I say this not to be mean. I haven't watched a network television show in ten years. Yeah. I don't know. 
I don't know what's on network. Well, now. if I'm going to watch it, it yeah. I'm going to wait until it's on Netflix, so I don't have to watch the commercials. So yeah, I just don't. I don't have <laughs> any Netflix. idea what's yeah. on those. Those I don't. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I CSI. I think is always on. Yeah. What are like, no matter what, what about like one. Modern Family or no, Blackish? Those are still hugely popular. So yeah. I'm surprised. I think we're grading yeah, on a curve when we say hugely popular. Mm, How's well. that? So we'll jump into the seven o'clock hour, taking a look at the big stories people are talking about. Judy can start us off. An autopsy being performed on human remains believed to be that of missing New York woman Gabby Petito. Those remains in Wyoming while she and her fiance were on a road trip. He is now missing after police say he wouldn't cooperate in her disappearance. Yeah, that that doesn't bode well. Hey, Bears win! Bears win! Bears win the first home game of the season and my first visit to Soldier Field. The Bears pulled off a 20-17 win, maybe more important. Starting quarterback Andy Dalton went down with an apparent knee injury. Justin Fields played a majority of the game. Let's just say it's a good thing we have an awesome defense for right now. Mm. But he'll get better, Cheese. Yes, he will, hopefully. Uh, Pfizer is now saying the COVID vaccine is safe for kids 5 to 11. So we'll see mm. how that plays out. But good news for elementary school kids. Absolutely. You know, we, we hear all these stories about... Cyber attacks, ransomware, your information, you know, being being stolen, you know, potentially all these different things. And it, it, it's almost like you're I've resigned myself to the fact at some point, you, you know, I mean, yeah, you're going to get hacked at some I don't point. Know what yeah. more I can do. Mm-hmm. I, I've got like this one protection service and monitor credit and this, that and the other. But at some point I'm like, what what could I possibly do? You know, there's a Russian crime syndicate that spends all day thinking about this, and I spend 30 seconds a year worrying about it, admittedly. But one thing that I, I don't think I've, I've ever thought I was vulnerable at or an area that I should be even remotely concerned about is my car. Joining us right now, he's a cybersecurity expert. We go to him all the time. Good things. It's Nick Powers. Nick, good morning. Hey, good morning, everybody. So... Tell me, I, I mean, I, I guess I understand on some sort of a basic level. Like, I connect my phone to my car. Some cars have, like, that OnStar, right? So it's obviously connected somewhere. Some uh, cars drive themselves. I mean, they're... Right. There's always a connection. I, yeah. I, my car will do updates. Like, it updates software and stuff, it says on the screen sometimes. Are cars vulnerable to hacking or being taken over? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and. This this kind of goes back a few years. Um, in fact, I, w- I had the great privilege of seeing actually um, a great demonstration done by one of the original car hackers. His name was Charlie Miller out of St. Louis. And uh, essentially what you have to think about is you talk about all those things that you said. You know, I can, you know, connect my phone, uh, you know, and unlock the car with my phone. Oh, I can yeah. reach, I can start the car with my phone Well. That means it all starts with the connection from your phone to your car, and that's actually on a cellular network. And um, the original designs of these cars uh, to allow that to happen allowed these uh, this software to actually connect directly to the bus of the car, and the bus of the car controls all of the activities of the car. And so if you can hack the cellular network and the, and the software, then you can hack the car. Whoa. So it, does it come down to really the phone? Is that the weakest link yeah, in a this... car? No, actually, the weakest link at the and this was you know originally back down in 2015. The weakest link was 
the cellular, it was actually kind of a private Verizon network, I want to say, or it was like a T-Mobile network or something. The private network that connected to, let's just say, all the Dodge cars, um, once you figured out the, I guess you could say, the key to seeing it, um, actually in my demonstration that I saw from Charlie Miller, he could actually watch all the cars on the road in the entire United States. What? And and so he he actually showed some very creepy... <laughs> kind of spy capabilities now since then they've uh, published a paper and and the the uh, manufacturers have tried to resolve those issues but if we continue to evolve as you know like you talked about self-driving cars and whatnot that are still connected to those cellular networks um, we're seeing things like an, a tesla car was exploited by a drone flying over it and use a zero zero click exploit to take over the car so oh, there's my. still going to be issues and we have to continue to you know be vigilant about how this stuff works we're talking to uh, nick powers cyber security expert and nick I, I i don't mean to do too much of a left turn you've jogged my memory now i want to say it was maybe 60 minutes uh did did a piece about this where you know a guy with a laptop basically could slam on the brakes on the car <laughs> they could uh turn the windshield wipers on and was doing this stuff remotely kind of exposing or maybe it was the guy you're just talking about exposing how somebody could take control of your vehicle and, and maybe cause mayhem right i mean they wouldn't take control of it to make you a better driver i'm assuming you know yeah, so it, it started with a guy, like you said, it was that that's the same guy I'm talking about, okay. Charlie Miller. So it started with a guy in the back of a car, you know, with a wire connected into the car to and it has to it had to have been a a car that could do for instance like park itself. Mm-hmm. And so it had to have a car with those types of controls built into it. A regular car that doesn't park itself and things like that was not at risk. And um, so they started with that, but then they evolved it over time and were able to use the Wi-Fi networks, the cellular networks, to actually do the same thing without being sitting in the backseat of the car. Wow. Well, okay, besides, you know, wreaking havoc, I mean, taking control of the car, what's the end game here? What do these people want to do when they take control of your car? Well, I, I think I think the, the biggest thing that I'm worried about personally when I, when you think about this stuff is the ability to put a ransomware payload onto your car and actually encrypt all the cars and computer. And basically you have this, let's just say you have a nice car, right? It's a $50,000 car. You, you just spent your, you, you know, you saved up and you, and you tried, you bought this car and you're proud of it. And then someone drops a ransom load payload on it and you can't get it back until you pay them $10,000. I don't know. Wow. Uh, we haven't seen, we haven't seen that yet. But I mean, this is just another thing that you know we could we could see ransomware creeping into these car networks, and as a result of that, you're not going to be able to do anything with your car until you know you decrypt it, and you know who knows how much how much that's going to cost you. Nick, we're talking to Nick Powers, cybersecurity expert, about uh, apparently how easy it is your car might be able to get hacked what can i do and or what are the car manufacturers doing about this i mean does it have to get to some sort of epidemic level before we take it seriously well um at the time uh, there were three main manufacturers in the 2015-2016 space dodge chrysler ford and tesla were the three main you know keep you know targets Mm -hmm. of this uh hack um tesla and ford fixed their issues pretty quickly 
it took Dodge a little while to come around on it. But um, what we saw at that time was Tesla, because of the way they run their um, updates to their cars, they can actually push a software update very, very, very quickly. And so that's a good, that's the good news is Tesla seem to have something where if something is exposed, they can fix it very quickly. The other manufacturers though, um, at least at the time required everybody to come in for a, a, a recall. Yes. Um, and you know, that takes, that can take months. In fact, um, I just had a recall on my Ford and it, and it took me, you know, almost a month and a half to get it in to get it fixed. And they had to restart my old computer and everything else. So I think what you're going to see is, you know, this, this is going to continue to be a priority for them to fix. We've seen hackers like the guy I mentioned, Charlie sure. Miller has been hired by general motors to help them make more secure cars and whatnot. So I think, I think you're seeing the industry realize that this is a problem, but until we start seeing people getting hacked with ransomware, I don't know how much of a priority it will be. Hey, Nick, really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. He's Nick Powers, cybersecurity expert. So Great. much for my hovercraft. I was going right? to say, so you, I went from worrying about my laptop being, now I got to worry about my car. Yeah, you know, it's interesting you said that because I have, I have a Ford mm-hmm. and um, I had to take it into the dealership where they did a software update where they, they take a, a they download a, a file and you plug a USB mm-hmm. and you plug it into your car and it like updates the software. But the point being is, as these cars get more and more, that, that's just going to automatically be downloaded. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's going to connect itself. And if you are connected in any way, shape or form, is your car vulnerable? And I'm now I'm feeling a lot more secure in my 2006 Toyota. There you go. Yeah, right. No one's hacking that. There's no, no, it's no got ch- four tires and, and, and an engine. Rans- and I'm good with that. Ransomware on that? They're like, give us fifty bucks. You're like, yeah. screw Although, it. You can it have it. It is a Toyota you Camry. They're very in. Fifty in bucks vogue, not so, worth it to me. Yeah. You, got, you can keep it. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning. It's uh, Bruce, Judy, and Cheese. You know, you do need to know when to hold them and it. when to fold them. You got it. And another thing, Cheese, you never count your money when you're sitting at the table. Nope. I learned that from Kenny Rogers. <laughs> All right. Uh, but I will admit, I am not a professional gambler, not on sports. I understand it to a certain extent. Um, I mean, I play fantasy football. I don't call that gambling because I suck at it. So it's certainly not gambling. But we are every day, maybe another step closer to legalized sports betting in Illinois at the actual stadium, at the venue. Imagine Comiskey, Wrigley, Soldier, United Center having a sports book a sports betting parlor for lack of better terms at the specific venues i mean Sox park wrigley field soldier field united center this is in in the works but i mean if if you can do it off your phone right if you can just can you bet on your phone on an app sure you can. so what what's the point hey, besides M- the money mike calling from chicago are you a bit of a, a sports better <laughs> Uh, yes, I am. I actually have my own uh, little setup. It's called Mikey Bets, and we do uh, overs and unders all the time. We do money line. And how how was your how was the weekend for NFL? Well, it was great for me. Uh, luckily, I uh, I had the Bears, and I I did also have the over, so that kind of screwed me. Yeah, I was going to say, um, I bet the under this weekend. Nobody scored any points. It was horrible. No, it was terrible, especially if you you were talking about fantasy football. With fantasy, it's don't just, get me started. Don't get yeah, me started, exactly. Mike. I'm sorry, so, wait, are you people voting on fan or uh, betting that is on fantasy football? Is that a mm, betting thing? 
no, daily no. fantasy sports. I thought it was just a no. dumb game yeah. thing. I didn't know it was betting involved. M- oh, Mike, dumb game, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. Mike, just ignore her. It works for us. Just don't even pay attention. Mike, question for you. Um, as they talk about sports books, actual sports books being at the venues, how does that impact sports betting? Um, I don't think it's going to change anything because all of all of the sports books uh, look at Vegas anyways. They look at MGM and they base them off that. So I feel this is going to be crazy. Everybody's going to be more engaged in the game, especially when you're paying for a ticket and then you put money on the on the game. You have a lot to root for. You mm. know? So either you're you're going in. Or you're leaving very happy, or you're leaving. <laughs> you you really yeah. care. Mike, you're staying yeah. to the last out yeah. or the last play, can right? I, can I ask you? Do you? Uh, um, what do you have? Clients? What? Because I'm pretty sure my son does what you do. Are do are do yeah. you? Are most of your clients or who, the people who bet younger people? Uh, no, you would be surprised. So really? I actually have a lot of the older people asking me uh, about the fix in the place. Because it's newer, right? It's Illinois, so they're not used to all this. And they're asking, oh, what does 46.5 mean? What does minus 235 oh. mean? So I explained to them. I was like, all right, well, one unit is $100. You, yeah. if you have to put 100 down, or you have to put 100 down to win, or you have to put 230 down to win 100. Right. right? But if it's plus 100, you put down 100, you win 100. So, Mike, um, I got a question for you. How easy is it to bet on sports these days, though? It, it strikes me that opening up a sports book, I, I mean, I, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be stupid here. I mean, you can do it from your phone for God's sakes. Would a sports book change for the the uh, the usual the the sports better who does this all the time? Um, yeah, because if you go to the stadiums or you go to the games. Uh, they'll probably boost the odds a little bit where you can make more money if you bet on oh. the whole team, right? Okay. Hmm. So you, you could do that. You'll do player props, uh, a lot of player props. That I, don't, I don't know if you guys know about Sure. Those. Like, who'll score the first touchdown? Yeah, yeah. Who, who'll, who'll have the most fumbles? Or yeah. So, Mike, are you worried about the um, sports books? No, not at all. Okay. I think it's going to be great for everybody. Um, and <laughs> to be honest, I don't think that they're going to be – as efficient as the regular sports books that people use okay. on their phone every day. Uh, I, I feel like, especially with Wrigleyville or the, the Cubs, I don't think that you saw the marquee network, right? It's not the best thing in the world. So, <laughs> if I'm you're betting saying, on that, yeah. Way to throw them under the bus, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Mike, thank you. No, but we do appreciate a little bit of insight from someone that, that, that does this, though, as... Uh, again, he was great. He was like yeah. a guest. We've I got, love it. We've got we got a daily behind it. I mean, that ought to tell you how serious they are lobbying uh, the city council, uh, trying to get these sports book sports books placed at the actual venues. But I mean, how can you how can you separate sports and betting anymore when you have teams in Las Vegas? Yeah. For goodness sakes, yeah. literally on the strip right there, you can go to, uh, you, there was a, an NFL team now. They have a hockey team. The idea that betting and sports is taboo or you should separate, it's ridiculous. They are already intertwined. Yeah. Whether it's fantasy football, and there's money in fantasy football, oh, yeah. daily fantasy sports, or whether it's just betting on winners, losers, the line, etc., I think it. The, I think the sports have figured out it draws more attention 
and it draws attention at places where people normally wouldn't care. For example, you're playing fantasy sports. There could be two horrible teams playing, but because you have player or players in that game, you're paying attention. Yeah. But it's not a game you care about. I could care less who wins or loses. Yeah. I only care if my guy throws a touchdown or my guy runs for 100 yards exactly, or whatever it yeah. is. But who cares about the rest of it? And all the all the sports uh, uh, leagues care about is you're paying attention. Why? I don't care. You can pay attention for any reason. NASCAR doesn't care if you watch for the wrecks. They just care that you watch. <laughs> <laughs> right? Happy Monday. It's Bruce. It's Judy. It's Cheese. You know, a lot of people are into a lot of this true crime, whether it's documentaries on, on TV. Podcasts have mm -hmm. exploded with these. We know about stories of... Uh, just regular average Joes getting together on the internet and going back trying to solve crimes, right? Well, you know, think of that, right? And guess what? You can watch it tonight. Tonight! True Crime TV Network Investigation Discovery has Reasonable Doubt is the show. You can watch tonight. Reasonable Doubt and joining us right now. Oh, my goodness. He's the host of it. Retired homicide detective Chris Anderson. Chris, good morning. Good morning, guys. How are y'all? Excellent. Thank you for joining us. You know, tonight is interesting because the case that you guys are taking a look at happened right here in Chicago, right up yeah. on the Gold Coast. Maybe people aren't 100% familiar with it. Tell us a little bit about the uh, the Gold Coast ATM murder case. Yeah, so uh, tonight's episode of Reasonable Doubt, we aired the uh, case where the victim, Dana Feitler, was a, uh, she was an up-and-coming uh, uh, woman that lived in the Gold Coast neighborhood, and uh, she was kidnapped uh, and murdered in, in that neighborhood. Uh, there were witnesses that talked about seeing her walking down the street the day of her murder with several males, uh, but uh, the, the Chicago Police Department worked that case, and one person was charged and later convicted of that murder, and his name was Lee Harris. Uh, Lee Harris has, since his conviction, Lee has maintained that he was innocent of this crime, and myself and my partner will be uh, doing our own investigation of this crime to see if Lee was actually innocent or if he was guilty. Hmm. Now, with, re with reasonable doubt, we, we take a different spin on looking into cases of wrongfully of the wrongfully convicted. We come in completely uh, non-biased. We, we come in without a, a motive. Just our only goal is to help the families that are helping that are are, are going back and looking into cases that they believe are, uh, have been wrongfully convicted. Okay. So, in this particular case, Chris, did you find any new evidence? So uh, that is where you need to tune into tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and do you, do you come to, to a conclusion either way, yes or no, or is it? Could it be still be up in the air? In every case that we look into on reasonable doubt, we we let the families know whether or not our investigation uh, finds that we believe that there is reasonable doubt that this person may have been wrongfully convicted. Or there is not. And when we don't find it, we let the families know. You can follow along with that tonight 
uh, on reasonable doubt. Again, we're talking to retired homicide detective Chris Anderson about the Gold Coast ATM murder. And this this show, I mean, this is an interesting case because basically the man who was convicted, right, uh, Lee Harris, and is, what, serving 90 years in prison, says... He was he. This was about money, but that the cops put him up to it. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a it's a very interesting story. Uh, it, it's an interesting tale of of how this woman was murdered. And uh, I mean, I think the the suspects got away with about four hundred bucks. But uh, <sighs> Lee Harris actually uh, went and talked to police, and he, he initially they looked at him as just an informant. Uh, but later he was uh, eventually charged, and he, he he volunteered information. He volunteered coming in and talking to police, but he was later charged with the crime. You know, I've been in law enforcement for 25 years, and I've never heard of an investigation quite like this. Mm. Well, you haven't lived in Chicago, <laughs> because I've heard of many investigate. I mean, we've had our fair share of officers who've, you know, um, put people behind bars, innocent people. You know, there have been so many cases of wrongful convictions coming from Chicago. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Now, now I just want you to understand now, Chicago is, I, I've, I've heard the tales of Chicago. Throughout the investigation, <laughs> we, you know, we heard the tales of what happens with uh, 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 some of the investigations. Throughout this entire time of being a reasonable doubt, we've heard about wrongful convictions. You know, I am one of the, I'm a longtime law enforcement officer who believes that we don't get it right every time as, as law enforcement officers. And, you know, and I just don't think that the, the, the scales of justice should stop with the drop of a gavel. I believe that if there are questions that still exist, we as law enforcement should pursue justice because that's real justice when you can say that, hey, we were wrong. And this person was wrongfully convicted, and now we need to correct it. Right. And I don't mean to pick on Chicago because it happens everywhere. It's just, it, it seems to, to happen absolutely. a lot here. And I mean, you know, we have a moratorium on the death penalty because of this very issue. Yeah. And I, I, me being in law enforcement, most people believe that I'm a, I should be a strong advocate for the death penalty because I've seen so much tra- how, how, tra- how murders traumatize families. Right. But I don't believe in the death penalty, I don't believe in it. I'm I'm right there with you. I evolved. My position did when I started finding out about wrongful convictions and some of the way people did end up in jail. Again, we're talking to uh, retired homicide detective Chris Anderson. The show Reasonable Doubt tonight on Investigation Discovery. Taking a look at at a case right here in our own backyard uh, and and we'll come to a conclusion on it. Chris, you know, if you look at this case, it, it appears that. Uh, without getting giving us the end, we'll watch to figure out that there was pressure on the police to solve this. Is that pretty common, though? Isn't that the hey? We just gotta we gotta parade somebody in front of the cameras and say, "Don't worry, we got the bad guy." Mm-hmm. You know, I I I, I want to believe all most law enforcement agencies in this country uh, uh, act you know operate within the confines of the law. Uh, but I do believe that there is pressure uh, that are, are being placed on law enforcement to solve high-profile cases like this one. You know, when when I read the background on, on Chicago and and at, during that time, Chicago was going through a huge transition in that Gold Coast neighborhood. They were trying to change the image. Mm. So when you have a, a case like this that happens when the city is going through a type of transition that Chicago was during that time, 
yeah, there's a lot of pressure that happened that that's being placed on law enforcement to put somebody in jail. And I and I do believe that 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 was the case in this case. Yeah. Appreciate your time this morning, by the way. Uh, we'll be watching tonight. We want to find out how this ends, Chris. Now I'm invested in this game. Yeah. Now I want to know, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, Chris Anderson, the host of uh, Reasonable Doubt tonight on Investigation Discovery. Thank you for your time. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having me. We'll talk to you all later. Sir, yes, sir. Uh, it is interesting. And, you know, it's. I, I use the term evolved. My position on the death penalty has evolved because I would say I was a pretty strong proponent for quite some time. Eye for an eye. You yeah. kill somebody, we kill you. Until you start finding out more about some of these cases, until you start realizing, well, maybe, listen, everybody that's in jail says they're innocent. Is that yeah. pretty yeah. standard operating right. procedure? Yeah. Very few of them are like, no, it was me. Got me all along. Yep. <laughs> uh, I deserve it. Some say that, but yeah. everyone's innocent, right? So you have to take that with a grain of salt. But some actually are. Yeah. Too <laughs> and, many are. And Too many. If you're executing people who, and we know this now, DNA evidence, yeah. new evidence has come forward that says, oh, that wasn't the guy. I'm uncomfortable with a death penalty unless you can be 100% sure. Can I tell you that I have a plan? Tell me if you like this proposal for the death penalty. Death penalty only in cases where... The defendant admits to the crime. Yeah, I'm all for it. I'm what not, about that? I, yeah, I'm a Where supporter. Where they plead guilty? Yeah, serial killer. Yep, I did it. I cut him up oh, and yeah. I ate them all. Yeah. Timothy McVeigh. I did it. Yeah, well, I'm yeah. just saying, not, yeah. not you I got no the problem. wrong guy, I, yeah. it wasn't me. Right. People that admit it and get convicted of a capital crime, it was me. I did it 100%. Fine. Right. I mean, I support the death penalty as long as I'm absolutely 100% sure. Yeah. But and, in that case, that's my point. Be, yeah. yeah, we haven't proven that. We just haven't done that yet. I we see things all the time, and you're like, why? Because this is one of those things. So I think of everyone on the planet going, no, don't need that. No, don't need that. And then somebody coming up and saying, you know what? How about Oreo-scented flip-flops? Yes, that's a thing! <laughs> Oreo scented so flip flops. Dumb. So, if I understand correctly, you get the benefit of wearing the flippy floppies. Yeah. And your feet smell like Oreos. Hey, I'm just envisioning like insects crawling around my feet. Hmm. Right? Or, or children. animals. Or, or children. children. <laughs> or some guys I know. I mean, but yeah, we're going to eat my shoes. Some milk on your shoes. Yeah. <laughs> right? Mm. Oh my gosh. Mm. No, it's disgusting. I just, why? Why? Who, like, who is asking for this? Somebody who is going, oh God, we really, uh, this is the result of a brainstorming session. You know this, right? Again, because nothing good comes out of a brainstorming yeah, session. Yeah. Sorry, Marv. That. <laughs> they were sitting around. Oh, I've sat in so many of them with Marv. That they were sitting around. You know what? People aren't buying the flip flops these days. We need to, our flip flops need to stand out in the crowded flip flop market. All right, let's throw it around the room. What do you got, Bill? Uh, make them smell like Oreos. Okay, rub up on the board. Put it on the board. And no one came up with a better idea that day. And so they went with Oreo scented flip flops. <laughs> The even it, it, besides being a gag gift, I don't know what else you. Why would you ever buy these? Who smells their flip flops? 
I don't want them anywhere near my face. Yeah, that's true. It's like smelling your shoes. I don't want to do that either. I'll tell you who smells it. The, the ants that are going to crawl around on your feet because they so smell you're at the, the Oreos. Beach, you're going to put your flippy floppies down on the sand and it's going to attract everything to come to your Oreo-scented flip-flops. A shark will come out of the ocean to eat your... I'm not aware that they like Oreos. I don't even know. They can like they everything. smell? I guess they can smell. That's all they can Oh, yeah. Do. Apparently, yeah. they can't see very well. They can smell good. So, yeah, they might be coming for your Oreo. Don't wear They've your Oreo-scented flip-flops in the water. Oreos on the shoes. Oh, yeah. You know? No, it even looks like... Even the, oh, the oh, sole looks like an Oreo cookie. A child's going to come up and eat them because they're not going to know any better. They're going to be... Damn kids today. Ooh, it smells good. <laughs> well, they put everything in their mouth anyway. At least exactly. it will taste a little better. Now, I don't know. It says them. scented, but I don't know if they're flavored. Because that could be possibly the You're only not thing worse. Know until oh, you yeah. take a bite. You're going to have to take a bite of it to right, find out. Because it smells like an Oreo. It looks it like it's an Oreo like picture. It. Yeah. Uh, some two year Now, that might bite. make it worth it if you could eat it. If it was a edible flip flop, boom, or to the beach, that? snack on it. Nobody's doing that. Mm. And no one in the world. I think once was, you put your food, your foot on your food, right. it should not go in your mouth. A good call. Even I'm with you on that one. There's the line. There's the line. This is a guy who doesn't even wash his mask. Yeah. When you step on, on your food. It's, no, it's gone. Five second rule goes out the window. I was going to say, no, not even a five second rule. No, once you've oh. stepped on it, the bottom of your feet. <laughs> again, who was sitting around going, you know what we really need? Oreo scented flip flops. And who flops. with the who? money is saying, great idea, I'm going to invest Run with in that. that. Yeah. yeah. Hey, uh, Michael, out in Oaklawn, you were listened to DJ Cheese scramble a few songs up for you. Do you know what those two songs were? Yes, sir. It is School's Out and No More Mr. Nice Guy. There you go. Nice. You're a winner. And you, because you are steeped in the Alice Cooper music, are going to get a pair of tickets to go see Alice Cooper this Friday night. Congratulations, Michael. Thank you, thank you. That's great, awesome. Yeah, thank you. he puts on a hell of a show. Yeah, Concern yeah, yourself does. not. He is a showman. Alice Cooper, Huntington Bank Pavilion at Northerly Island this Friday night. Tickets are on sale. Uh, and thanks to our friends at Live Nation. And congratulations to Michael in Oakland. Yeah. He's going to go and uh, check out some Alice Cooper as well. We're going to jump into the 8 o'clock hour, taking a look at the big stories that people are talking about. How about this? Bears win. And they win their first home game of the year. They go to one and one. And Justin Fields got some quality playing time with the Bears as Andy Dalton went down with a knee injury. Remains to be seen. Who will start at quarterback next week, Cheese? Yes. Pfizer is saying now that the COVID vaccine is safe and it offers robust response in kids 5 to 11. So, good news for yeah. those elementary school kids. Finally. Judy? And the tragic turn in the Gabby Petito case. Mm. Human remains found in the uh, search for the 22-year-old missing New York woman. Her fiancé is now missing after police say he wouldn't cooperate in her disappearance. Uh, yeah, not good. Yeah. Um, you know, it is fair to say that I think there's a lot of people that are under a lot of pressure. Uh, the last year and a half has maybe changed a lot of habits for people, changed lifestyles, changed where they live, where they're working, what it all looks like. And, and it can be pretty darn stressful. And we can tend to, and I, you see this all the time, we tend to focus on the negative. We focus on uh, the things that aren't going our way. And it is a downward spiral. Joining us right now, though, someone who could maybe turn that around for you, is Howard Prager, author, author of the book, Make 
someone's day. Good morning to you, sir. How are you? Good morning, Bruce. I'm great. How are you this morning? Fine and dandy. How come I knew you were just going to be just a, a ball of sunshine for me? How come I knew that? Hey, all right. Let, let's just start with uh, with a trifecta yesterday. The Cubs, Sox, and Bears all won. What? Wow. Yeah, what are the odds, right? You're right. Look at that. It is coming up roses. That's right. Talk to me a little bit about how to make someone's day like how can you how can i make a difference in someone's day today bruce you just did how you did just that? gave uh, a couple of tickets uh to a listener <laughs> for the alice cooper concert this weekend okay now i don't know if they had if i i didn't hear if the listener had seen Alice Cooper before, um, if they were a lifelong fan, but I know that many of these radio giveaways really allow people to experience something that they normally wouldn't. And I'll tell you, many of those times, it truly makes someone's day. I've, I've won, uh, uh, won tickets to a Bulls game, and I felt the same way <laughs> when that happened, right? It's Absolutely. It's just a really special thing. All right. Now, I don't have Thanks. tickets to give away, so how can I make someone feel like you know i made their day oh judy just hearing your voice uh, oh my god i love you you are one of the smartest people i've ever talked to (laughs) (laughs) let me just tell you though my favorite saying is kindness matters oh so true that's beautiful right and i mean but doesn't have to start with the person i mean i i can't make someone's day right unless i'm in a good place you know, that's that's a great point. I wonder if you can do it when you're not in a, in a great place. You know, it takes so little sometimes to make someone stay. It's very situational. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it just is a smile or truly hearing some news, hearing your you know, upbeat uh, uh, broadcast of things that you covered. Uh, this, you know, even this morning, learning a little bit more about the booster and uh, booster shots and learning about what we need to do about car cybersecurity, right? Oh, my God. For someone who was worried about that or didn't know what to do, the doc sounds like he wasn't even sure what to do, right? Um, it, it, it can go and be really positive. A smile sometimes is all that's needed. If you're lost in thought, you know, you're commuting maybe by, by bus or train and, and you're really worried about something and someone looks up and just smiles at you. That could be all it takes to make someone's day. Sometimes it could be more, and I've got stories that I'm happy to share with you this morning and our listeners about what little things that they can do to make someone's day. Well, that's exactly what I'm looking for, Howard. We're talking to Howard Prager, author of the book, Make Someone's Day. I think some of it is there's a mindfulness in there. You have to be aware, at least, that, hey, I could I could do something. Uh, I want to do something nice for someone, something simple. Give me an example. Okay, great. Uh, let, me, let me start with... Uh, just helping out, being aware. Um, Lisa is uh, someone from Chicago who is going uh, to try to get a marketing contract from from a work company. And she was in the elevator, rode up, got off the floor, and as she was getting out of the elevator, she heard some yells. And she kind of pushed the door open and heard someone yelling that they were stuck in another elevator. 
oh, she's there. She's, you know, a few minutes before our meeting. She wants to be ready and everything. And she's deciding, what do I do? And she said, you know what? If someone's in trouble, I've got to do what I can to help them. That's my value. Uh-huh. So she went and she found uh, the number for the, or reached the building management, let them know someone was stuck in the elevator, and then went into her appointment. And maybe she felt a little bit rushed, right? But the receptionist said, you know, your, your contact is not here yet. I'm going to bring you to the conference room, just sit down, and she'll be here shortly. Well, Lisa's sitting there waiting 15 minutes or so, and finally, uh, you know, frazzled, in comes her appointment, who said, you won't believe this, but I was stuck in an elevator this morning, and oh. someone helped get me out. You never, so in, in other words, you never know how that act of kindness uh, might reflect back on you. That's almost like a karma thing, don't you think? I, I think that's how people, the people refer to that as karma, I think. Yes, yes, I think you're right. But but it was Lisa's values that said, I've got to do the right thing. Yeah. She wasn't necessarily thinking she was going to get a contract right. from it, which of course she did. She wasn't thinking about anything other than, I'm going to help the other person. So that's the sort of mindset to just be alert and aware of what's going on because you never know. Um, you know, think about if, 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 as, as we've gone around in life or we've traveled, uh, you know, even things like seeing people struggle trying to get their luggage up in the overhead compartment yeah. on an airplane, <laughs> right? Uh, sometimes people are like, you know, just having troubles with that and, and helping them out can truly be uh, a make-my-day sort of feeling. I feel like these days, with everything going on, people have become, they've gone more inward. They're more mm, self-centered. Insular. Yes, yeah. and, you know, just as a result of what, so I think it's, you know, it's almost more much more difficult these days now to react the way you're describing. It does take effort. You're right, Judy. Uh, I, I think that we've all got to put ourselves out there a little bit more. Did you know, though, that you can do this also online? For those who are a little worried about that or don't want to be out there or, or trying to stay more more isolated just, just because of what's going on in, in, uh, with the pandemic, and you can do this by just doing nice things, comments, especially on social media, Make a world of difference to people. No one uses social media for good. Come on. <laughs> it's turned into a vast cesspool, for goodness oh sakes. You're, you're saying we could all do something today. And maybe there's the challenge, Howard. Everyone should do something and be positive. And if you can't do it in person, do it on social media today. Absolutely. Just the, the key Bruce, is just to be aware. I've created something called a VIP model. It's the first thing we need to do is we need to view and observe what's going on around us. And whether that around us is on our screens or out the window or out the door or just right in front of us. Then we need to identify and consider what might that person need. And the more we know them, if there's someone we know, we can uh, better assume what they need. Otherwise, we'll, we'll take a good guess at what they need. And then we just plan and act. And some things take some timing to do. Other things we can act and do immediately. Let me give you another quick example. Is that someone at, um, Judy, you remember, Bruce, you're new to, newer to Chicago, yeah. so I don't know if you knew Ron Majors. Um, Ron was a longtime TV newscaster uh, on your uh, on the WLS TV station, and he was retiring. And 
I was actually walking by the studio, and I saw two women who had a sign that said, we're going to miss you, Ron. And I talked with them, and they said, he's our favorite broadcaster. We came down. We took our day off from work to wish him well because he was retiring that week. But the screens were down. It was, you know, that, that uh, storefront uh, broadcast studio yeah. where you mm-hmm. could look in the window and see them. So I thought, I've got to help these two, two women out. I don't know what I can do, but let me see. And, of course, the glass, you can't knock on the glass. And, and 12 inches thick or whatever it right. is. So I went into the security guard and I said, is it possible to let Ron Majors know that he's got a couple fans or have him show him the sign? He said, you know, when we break for national news, Ron often walks this way. I'll make sure he knows and sees the women in sign. Well, he he didn't walk that way. And so before they went back to local news, the guard actually went back and pulled Ron up. And Ron came out, and he was the most just charming and, and gracious person. And these two women... I actually ran into them two years later, and they said, this has been the highlight of our life, yeah. being able to meet him. Wow. A little wow. gesture, see? Just wow. do it. That is really cool. You know what, Howard? Thank you very much. And what a, what a positive impact you've had on all of us, and I think listeners already this morning. A happy Monday to you, sir. Thank you, Bruce. I appreciate it. Judy, great to talk to you. You too. Uh, Make Someone's Day is available online, and I hope your uh, listeners get a chance to read it either on Kindle or in book form. Um, I'd I'd love to talk to them about it, and it's a pleasure to talk to you anytime. As well. He's Howard Prager, and the new book, Make Someone's Day. Best guest ever. Isn't he tremendous? I'm just Uh, making his day. I I don't think you need to go that far to do it. Inappropriate. I'm sorry. You know, I have a story about this song. I was at a Phil Collins, private Phil Collins show in New Orleans at the House of Blues. Uh Like, I was this close, as close as I would need to Phil Collins. I'm with my my friend Chris, who shouldn't be my friend because he's inappropriate. And people are yelling out, like, songs for Phil Collins to do. In the air tonight! You know, classics. And idiot Chris says, illegal alien! And Phil Collins literally looked at him, did the did the kind of, and shook his head. Yeah. Inappropriate. So, one of the things, talk about a left field, right? We know there has been a continuing issue at our southern border. And I think it is fair to say that this isn't weeks, months, years of, uh, of, of problems. And the reality is, the issue and the problems kind of keep changing and evolving. Is it unaccompanied minors? Is it Central Americans? Is it uh, Mexican laborers? Is it Haitians? The story just keeps changing. The result is the same problem along our southern border. Joining us right now, an immigration expert on the border crisis we're facing right now, specifically at the Del Rio, Texas crossing, is Alfredo Lozano. Good morning to you, sir. Thank you for joining us. Good morning, sir. What a great and what a great way to start the episode. Yeah, well, I uh, I had to throw that in there. Inappropriate, right? <laughs> but tell me a little bit. You know, and I've tried to set this up. It does seem like we just jump from crisis to crisis to crisis. That there's all these different um, pressures or motivating factors that cause people to surge to our southern border. Um. Yes. I mean, I can't argue with that. I mean proof is in the pudding right now we're seeing it 
Um, and I guess your question is, what do we do with that? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, is there a solution as to when things go horribly wrong in a Central American, Caribbean country, wherever, that the the gut reaction isn't, can we get to the United States? Yeah, I think, um, well, I think one of the things that we do need to do is we need to update and fix our asylum laws. Um, even though I am an immigration attorney, I do support immigrants. I do think there are several flaws in the asylum law that need to be updated. Um, Give me an example. I think, well, I think there's a myth within outside the United States that the asylum laws are very uh, liberal or very easy in the U.S., mm-hmm. and that's not true. If you look at the data, um, the very 10 cases, maybe only 15%, 20% uh, get approved. Um, so I think there has to be a message to the world that, hey, it's not easy to come to the U.S., but at the same time, um, I think we need to, our Congress, we need to find out or select, are we going to be the country that we were, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years right. ago? Are we going to be, are we going to be supportive? You know, when a country is in, in dire need, are we going to be the ones there and says, hey, look, we're going to help you out. We're going to go and support you. You know, talk about World War II, talk about different. Sure. Different episodes in, a, in, in in where we've been open and welcoming. But I mean, it's yeah. see, is it true that now it's the numbers are just incredible, or is it not true? I mean, there's like something like ten thousand Haitians now at the border. Is uh, the people who are coming have they always been coming? What's the difference? I I think I think the what you just stated at the very beginning when a natural disaster occurs. Is it okay for us to be welcoming, right? I think that's where the rub is among our our citizenship, is when a disaster occurs in, in another country, who are we? Are we going to help them out? Or are we going to say, look, that's your problem. You take care of it. Get a better government. Fix your own problem. Um, or do we open up arms? And that's the difficult part. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you know, are they disasters or are they opportunities for us? Let's look at it that way. You know, we do have an aging U.S. population. The national birth rate has gone down. We've got aging boom. You know, the, the boom, boomer population is retiring. Social Security is going to take a hit. You know, who's going to um, who's going to help our retirees? Um, well, we, we know, talk about a labor shortage right now almost everywhere, right? Yeah, we've got yeah, like 10 million does. open jobs. I've and, got client. I've got, it's funny, is, is I had a client tell me, look, Alfredo, help me. I need at least 30 or 40 workers. I'm, he said, I'm paying $18 an hour. I'm paying $20 an hour. And I don't have people applying. No, it is a hard job. It's cutting trees. He says, can't some of these people that are at the border, can I get them a work permit? Have them come and work for me? Mm. I've got the work. I've got government contracts. They need me to help the government, the U.S. government. I can't find workers now. Wow. So is it a crisis or is it an opportunity? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, think, I think we can look at both ways. I would rather see it as an opportunity. You know, um, Alfredo, again, we're talking to Alfredo Lozano, an, an immigration expert, immigration attorney uh, who does this. And, and you know, I, I'm 
Tell you what, I have a solution. All right, this is my my day. And I grew, I grew up in Arizona, by the way. I grew up along the border, so I, I'm not completely removed from this, contrary to popular belief. Um, I think we need to make it easier for people who just want to come here and work. Not necessarily become citizens. Uh, they don't have a great desire to learn the national anthem or uh, American history, and and they can cheer for Chivas as their soccer team while they're here. But they just want to come and work. I'm all in favor of people that just want to come here. Wait, and what do work. you mean work and then what? Go back? Well, they can, they can go back when they want, but not every day. No, they have a worker visa. Right, they can right, come right. here but and I work. I mean, isn't the problem Legally that work. people don't ever then they stay? They don't go back. That's that's been a big huge issue though. How do you But they've come on student visas or vacation or holiday, what do we call travel visas and maybe have it and overstayed their welcome visas as too. well. Yeah, yeah, that's so I mean you'd have to police that. Is that a part of a solution? I think so. I mean, uh, it happened back what was it in sixties or seventies. We had the farm workers come out and work, right? And yeah. some of them wanted to be here seven, eight months, nine months, and then they go back to their home country to be there with their family. Um, there was jobs here, there was opportunity, so they come and work. They weren't taking anybody's jobs. There was a necessity for them to be here. Um, I think that's a great solution. Look, let's not forget, before, and it just happened, we just, the anniversary was not too long ago. Before 9-11, immigration was a different conversation. Good it point. really was. It was, yeah. much, it was much more welcoming. It was much more open. President Bush at the time, a week or two weeks before, I don't have the data, he had a law that was going to fix a lot of the issues. And then 9-11 happened, right. and he he didn't sign it. Yeah. And, and it just stayed there. So, um, look, I, we can, is it an opportunity or is it chaos? Um, I, I have to say something. Please. I, I've been working on my – this weekend I work in my backyard, and it is hard <laughs> digging holes, putting – 80 cement, the bags that weigh 80 pounds and mixing, mixing up that cement, that's hard work. You, you're talking about people here that have crossed two or three countries on foot, going days sometimes without food. Man, I want them on my team. You know, you know, they are persistent. They have grit. They will do what it takes to get done the work. I mean, that's something else. Here, here, and 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 by the way, the 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 immigrants, the migrants that I know are exactly like that. They're hardworking, mm-hmm. and uh, they're 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 just here to su- support a family and support themselves, and see the United States as a great opportunity as well. Alfredo, thank you for your time today. We appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Have a great one. He's Alfredo Lozano, immigration attorney. Uh, as we talk about what's going on on our southern border, and you know what, I think I think there is some hypocrisy in here. Uh, some of the same people who were outraged at leaving behind people in Afghanistan and this botched rescue effort, the botched uh, end of our occupation, also didn't want any of those people to come here. Like, hold on a second. Like, we can't leave them behind. They helped us. Oh, great. We'll bring them to Chicago. Hold on a goddamn second. Can't we take them anywhere else? Like, it's like you can't have them both ways. You know, you be consistent in there. That uh, I still think that the United States is is rich enough in a variety of ways, not just money, uh, is rich enough. Maybe even in spirit that we can absorb and that that uh, immigrants make this country better. I still believe that. And as a, as a son of an immigrant, my mother was born and raised in Germany.
you know, a naturalized U.S. citizen. I, be, I believe in uh, in immigration, and I just want to make it so that it's a better system. And it's not tens of thousands of people standing mm-hmm. on the southern border. That's yeah. screwed up. I don't think anybody Living could argue. on the southern border Literally. Now. Before we get into the Emmys, so I went uh, uh, Saturday afternoon. Uh, I went to this big room. Uh, it's big room. It's got a bunch of chairs, and it has a huge TV screen in it. Oh, and it's got popcorn and slushies. <laughs> wow, what'd you see? Wow. I have not been in one of these rooms in a while. And, and uh, uh, saw a new movie out called The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Oh, that's right. Now, it's actually based on a documentary of the same name. Starts Jessica Chastain and Andrew Garfield. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was really well done. It was good to get back in the theater, not just that. So I'm not just grading on that curve. But, I mean, it's about... Tammy Faye and Jim Baker, Tammy Faye Baker, remember uh, 700 Club, uh, PTL, yeah. well, I, uh, Televangelist. remember her eyes. Yeah, and um, here's what's good about this movie. It would have been very easy to make a movie about Tammy Faye Baker and turn her into a cartoon character and make fun of religion. Mm-hmm. Would have been very easy to do. You, like the jokes write themselves. It does neither of those. It humanizes uh, both of them in a way that I wasn't really aware of. And it's based on a lot of the, what they actually went through. Um, and I thought it was even respectful to the, uh, evangelical, uh, which again, I thought, boy, this could really go bad. No, uh, but you know, being a little introspective, but also, uh, you know, she is a true believer by every stretch of the imagination and still is even, even uh, up to her death. So, uh, the eyes of Tammy Faye. Really well done. If you, you'll enjoy it. Uh, and, and again, wh- whatever you think about Jim and Tammy Faye, you'll probably learn something watching this, right? Hmm. But there's so many good things on TV these days. And by TV, it's everything, right? <laughs> these days, everything is TV. You get everything streamed or whatever. The Emmys were last night. And maybe the most interesting thing that came out of the Emmys, no network television program won an award. Well, major award. That's shocking. And now that I'm looking at the list, they a lot of them were they weren't even really nominated. No, that's it why they win. They weren't even nominated. The HBOs, yeah. the Netflix, the Hulu's, the et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. That because I think there's also a self fulfilling prophecy. It's where the stars are going. It's where the big star. You know, Jason Sudeikis uh, won for Ted Lasso. That's on Apple Plus. Jason Sudeikis is a movie star. Yeah, he does movies. And Ted Lasso isn't so readily available either, which is shocking. It's it's Apple TV with mm-hmm. not a lot of people. You know, I don't have it. Yeah, I think it's I phenomenal. do. Maybe I do, but I don't yeah. think so. It's not one of now. Now we're starting to say. And they've well, got the, great shows. They had the, yeah. the morning show was on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they that they had um, uh, the the new John Stewart. Uh, show is going to be on Apple Plus, so right. you know they they they're There's starting so to build many this uh, streaming services. Yeah. It's hard to keep up. I have them all. Don't worry. I've got them all. Paramount Plus, I got it. Oh, you got Paramount Plus? Of course I got yeah, Paramount course. Plus. Oh, there might be something I want to watch. There <laughs> might be something I want to watch on Paramount <laughs> Plus. I better get it. Uh, yeah. You know? You never know. I got them all. I've got so many bleeping apps. I used a fire stick to do it. Right? Ah. But, uh, congratulations. Uh, again, Ted Lasso was a big winner, uh, which is a crown. phenomenal show. And The Crown on Netflix was another big winner. And by the way, both of them deserve it. Also, The Queen's Gambit, which was an outstanding mm, uh, series in and of itself. Uh, and I learned more about chess than I ever knew yeah. watching The no Queen's kidding. Gambit. So there was that. Uh, maybe your favorite show did not win. Wah, wah. Well, don't worry. Judy is still here to restore your yes. faith in humanity. 
So two teachers are on a mission to help their students see the importance of self-love. In a video that recently went viral, fourth graders at an Atlanta elementary school shout positive affirmations to themselves in a mirror. I am smart. I'm a good person. While their teachers cheer them in the background. Neferita Acker, the teacher seen in the video holding the mirror, says the idea came from a practice she does with her five-year-old daughter. She says when they're on their way to school, she has her repeat these affirmations, starting with, I am. She'll say, I am a fast eater, or I am a fast runner. Then her mom will add to it, you're also really brave, so why don't you say, I am brave. She says it boosts her daughter's confidence, and it boosts her confidence as a woman and a mother. So she figured, why not add that to the classroom? The school is in a pretty tough neighborhood in Atlanta. Teachers say a lot of kids hear a lot of negative things about themselves, so it's good to plant positive seeds. Remember... Kindness matters. There you mm. go. Howard Prager taught us that as well yeah, earlier right. today, didn't he? That was outstanding. Uh, thanks a lot for uh, spending time with us today. We appreciate it. We also thank uh, MG and the posse over there in Mission Control. We've got uh, infant producer Miranda. She's on the other side of the double pane bulletproof class. DJ Cheese, who's working the ones and twos. Thank you, sir. And Nick Gale, who'll stand by. We've got some weather in the area. You'll want to know about that. It's also affecting some traffic. Don't worry. He's got that in uh, as well. And plus all the news and information you need to know. It's all coming up next right here on 890 WLS.